0: Hi, my name's Rob Scott from UC today, and in this session, I'm joined by Intrado and we'll be talking about how you can meet the latest 911 regulations for UC platforms in the United States. So, how about we get started with a round of introductions? Mary, would you like to go first?
1: Good day, Rob. Morning for me. I believe afternoon for you. Um, I'm Mary Boyd. I'm Vice President of Policy. Uh, regulation and government affairs for Entrato. Uh, a little bit about my background uh, for your viewing audience. I actually have been in the 911 business for, I won't say precisely, but let's just say well over three decades. Um, I have a strong operations background. I actually um, was in charge of 911 systems, but I've been with Entrado for about 23 years now, uh, my my expertise is in policy and regulation. Um, I've been involved in development uh, and implementation of policy and regulation on 911 throughout the country. Uh, in full disclosure, I am not an attorney. Um, but I know you will have probably people viewing that our legal counsel, uh, we, we have legal counsel in our company, we partner with them. Uh, but the team I work with, we're all about compliance and working with our regulatory agencies. So um, we will provide, and you'll hear Lev talk about this, uh, resources later where you can get additional information. But Um, I am grounded in compliance for our company, and so I'm delighted that you've invited us here to talk about our new regulations.
2: Thanks, Mary. Lev? Yes, so my name is Lev Deitch. I'm the Vice President for Sales and Operations for the Enterprise 911 line of business at Entrato. Our line of business is really focused on providing 911 capabilities for multi-line telephone systems, whether it's on-prem, hosted Unified Communications. Um, and thank you for inviting us to uh, this session today.
0: Well, thank you both for joining me. It's going to be a great session. Uh, so first of all, why don't we just talk a little bit around Intrado now? Just you know, tell everyone uh, what the business does and, uh, and how, how you go to market.
2: Sure, yeah. Well, um, you know, Intrado is obviously a large corporation and we have multiple lines of businesses, but life and safety is one of the largest uh units within Entrato. Um and within Life and Safety, we have around nine hundred people that are entirely focused on maintaining and improving the nine one one infrastructure in the United States. And we're involved across all segments of that business. So my team, of course, I mentioned earlier is the MLTS side, but we also have a team that works with carriers on wireline, uh, wireless cellular phones, um, and VoIP uh, so that all those carriers can deliver the calls to public safety anywhere in the country with location information. Uh, We have a next generation 911 team that's focused on improving and turning the 911 infrastructure to an IP-based environments, so you can have better resiliency and better rich data coming through that. Um, we, have, we also do the PSAP equipment, so public safety answering points are the 911 call centers in the United States. And when they receive calls, they need software to quickly do dispatch, and, uh, and Intrato does that as well. So we have a huge market share in that space where operators can use that to uh, you know, work, work very efficiently and get response as quickly as possible. Um, and and across all those lines of businesses, um, we we're probably involved in 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 the vast majority of the nine one one calls in the country. If you pick up a phone today and dial nine one one from any device, uh, there's probably greater not greater than ninety percent chance that it's traversing through some sort of intrado solution. So uh, we're very very big in this space. We invest a lot of resources and money and people. And uh, it's a great job. And we're very excited to be playing such an important role in emergency response.
0: Yeah, thanks, Lev. And Mary, in terms of providing a bit of an overview of E911 regulations, could you tell us uh, kind of, you know, where we are today, the misconceptions and, and that kind of thing, please?
1: Um, yes, Rob, actually, nine one one in the US has laws and state regulations in every country. Um, and then at the if you look at the national level, you have regulations at the Federal Communications Commission that govern 911 implementation for wireless and voice over IP um, and, and some wireline aspects. But there is one piece of regulation that we want to talk about today, and that's related to MLTS. Um, this, this service, ironically, while we have regulations that Require callback information and location on every telecommunication service in the country. MLTS was the one service that did not have any regulations that mandated and said when a 911 call goes in, you're going to send a callback lo- uh, number and you're going to send a location. And so the states tried to manage it for years and years. And I can say that, you know, with firsthand experience when I I uh, was in charge of the Texas 911 Commission for many years. Uh, the states attempted to regulate that. So, we do have some forms of regulation in the states. That's very important to remember as you look at the new national regulation and law, because the new federal legislation grandfathered and did not preempt the state law. So, when I talk about the new MLTS legislation, for those that are that are serving the US, just remember, you also need to look at the states you're in to see what's in place there. So unfortunately, um, and and this is, you know, so classic in the 911 business, we had to have a tragedy happen in order to get federal national law. Uh, Carrie's law is actually named uh, for a young woman who perished in a hotel Um, and her young daughter had to watch that happen and she tried to access 911 and she couldn't do that with a direct access. And, um, her, Carrie's dad, Hank Hunt took it on, um, after his daughter died and his granddaughter said, you know, Papa, I did everything right. I did what I was taught in school. And she did, she dialed 911, but it needed an access code for her to get out and she couldn't get help. And so she had to watch her mom die in front of her. And it's just tragic. So Hank took it on as just his calling in life to get law in place. And he first started at the state and then he realized the only way to fix this was going to be with Congress. And so we have now, we do have some states with state law, but now we have Congress that passed legislation and and the CARES Law set forth really a couple of things. It said you'll you'll have direct access to nine one one without an access code, and you're going to have a notification feature. Um, it is it was forward thinking. We, the Commission, the FCC uh, had rulemaking authority on that law, uh, which went into effect February sixteenth of twenty twenty. Let me repeat that: Carries Law went into effect February sixteenth of twenty twenty. Um, it was forward thinking. So any MLTS system that was you know manufactured and installed prior to that is grandfathered. And Lev's going to talk about the technical aspects and, and what you do in those uh, with those systems. But in the notification piece of that, um, just remember in the rules that the FCC enacted, it also has a provision, so when you dial 911, you'll send a, lo- a callback information and you're gonna send location by law and rule. However, if you, on your premises, so you're a hotel, you're a work environment, an office building, a campus, it also allows for notification to that facility. So it could be at the actual facility or it could be a security office at another uh, location. The intent is that that business is notified of an emergency call being placed. It could be it could be by text, it could be by smartphone, it could be by you know computer. Maybe it's at a hotel registration, and so the law says send that um, information unless there's technical challenges. And so there are some provisions where the system, if it was you know not feasible to do that there are some exceptions. So for the attorneys who are watching this video, please, I'm staying very high level because it's very complicated set of rules and laws. Um, and I'm gonna kind of give you the places to look so you know where to not sort of step in a, in a landmine. But the now we have sort of this forward th- this forward thinking piece of law that's gonna set place that when you dial 911 from an MLTS system, our public safety answering points are actually gonna be able to call you back and be able to locate you because there was another law that went parallel to Kerry's law. So we now we have state law, we have Kerry's law, we're gonna have this third law in Congress and that was known as the Ray Baum Act. Uh, Ray Baum Act also gave the, F, the Federal Communications Commission the authority to go into rulemaking and put in what we refer to in the states as dispatchable location. And dispatchable location is really the ability to, I'm just gonna, if you don't mind, Rob, just give you the quick definition. The location delivered to the PSAP with a 911 call that consists of a validated street address of the calling party plus information that's related to the suite, an apartment, or similar information that's necessary to identify the calling party. So the intent of the dispatchable location is so public safety can identify the, where the person is and render emergency response to them. So um, the Ray Baum Act gave the FCC rulemaking authority. They passed rules. Now, while Kerry's Law go, went into effect in February, the dispatchable location actually has other deliverable dates. It gave companies uh, the opportunity to have a little more time for implementation. So if you are a fixed MLTS system, one year after the passage of the rules, you would have to put dispatchable locations. So that will put you at January 6th of 2021. If you are non-fixed or off-prem, then you have two years. So take two years from January 6th of 2020. So um, we it, it is in you know tragically over Carrie's loss um, and the work of her dad, we now have at least legislation and rules that will hopefully keep this from happening. Um, again. And so, you know, Lev will talk to you about the technology and the solutions that are in place to deliver on this regulation. But we, you know, we're happy to answer questions for anyone viewing this to guide you on where to go to uh, look, get more information for compliance on it. And thank you again for for asking us to participate.
0: Thanks, Barry. That's really useful. That's a great overview as well to get us started with. So uh, Lev, over to you for, you know, in terms of, you know, practical implementation of these, uh, these regulations and across UC solutions nowadays, which are, you know, there's all sorts of complexities in today's world, in, 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 in the world of communication. So could you talk to us a little bit about the, the common challenges and how you help
2: solve them? Yeah, I mean, if you boil down what Mary just said in terms of what does an enterprise need to do, it's really three things, okay? Sure, making sure your dial plan can dial 911 without a prefix, making sure that if you have the notification capability on your UC or PBX, turn it on, enable it. And the third piece is make sure you have precise location. All right. Now the precise location is the tricky part. Um, I think that, you know, what Mary just said, it has to be precise enough for a first responder not to get delayed in the response time. They have to be able to quickly find the user, right? There's no specific black or white regulation that says, 40,000 square feet, or, you know, this distance or per floor or per room. None of that doesn't exist, right? Which lawyers love because it's a little bit vague. So, you know, my advice to enterprise has always been, you know, it's, it's a risk factor, right? If you just send the main address of your building, you know, chances are you're going to be, if something does happen, uh, a, a lawyer will be able to go in there and say, well, we have a case for, uh, not following those regulations, and you're liable, right? Then the other extreme is trying to go down to you know every single room, and you have your IT department spending you know years building up rules and processes and collecting data for automation, and that's just not practical either. So there's that middle background, uh, middle middle ground. I mean, that allows you to be somewhere in between where you're 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 optimizing the um, effort and minimizing the risk at the perfect spot. And this is where we can help, right? This is really about looking at what you have in your environment and saying, okay, what can we do quickly, efficiently, um, without, you know, creating, uh, you know, and while minimizing your risk at the maximum level, right? And that that's a judgment call. It's a risk assessment call. And the good news is we work with thousands of clients and we can tell you, well, you know, a lot of people are doing this. Or a lot of people are doing that in your case. So, the reality is, yes, the, compl- the regulations are complicated and they're a little bit vague and, and, you know, there's ways to interpret it. But we have some really practical, common sense things that we can recommend to people and say, look, this is how you can do it. Um, is your risk zero? No. But it's going to be low enough that you're taking every precaution. You're doing the right, uh, right amount of effort um, that's proportional to the, the risk reward. Um, and, and I think that's what enterprises need to keep in mind.
0: It sounds like this is, I suppose, service management and programming plays a major part in this. So, you know, where does that responsibility lie in an organization? Is that something they would, an enterprise would typically outsource
2: or would they manage that themselves? Good question. So it really depends. Um, So if you have an on-prem phone system, typically your IT department is going to be there to, you know, just kind of recap here is we provide applications and solutions that add an automation to your nine one one, right? Instead of doing everything manually and tracking everything manually, we have tools and applications, on-prem cloud that automate most of this stuff, right? So the enterprise really just needs to come up with the rules. How do I automate? You know, my subnet can be tied to a location, my switches can be tied to locations, my access points can be tied to locations. You program the rules, and then if you have a properly implemented solution, it's all automated. Just fine-tuned when you change your network. So the responsibility really comes to whoever is managing that network, whoever has that, you know, where are those access points? Where are those subnets? So if you're doing it in-house, then you need to do it in-house. If you're outsourcing to a managed service provider, then you need to have that managed service provider do it for you. Um, but really, that's really what it involves. It's just integrating the solution and providing the rules. And that can be done easily by whoever's managing your network. Great, thanks. That's that's a great explanation. So, in terms of
0: taking this to market, then as a as a solution, as a service to your your enterprise
2: customers, how do you do that, Lev? Yeah, well, I mean, we 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 try. To, we're a channel based organization, so we work with a lot of uh, you know the U.S. based uh, resellers that you know deploy your UC platforms. So if it's an on prem solution, they're usually involved in setting them setting the enterprise clients up. Um, and we work with them, they, they, they help with the configuration, we provide the applications and we guide through the project. So it's really white glove service to, you know, to the finish line. Um, if it's a cloud-based solution, so you know, we're seeing a lot of businesses migrate towards you know, Microsoft Teams and uh, WebEx cloud calling. And whenever you start migrating to the cloud, um, then we typically work with the hosted UC provider and we have an integrated solution for that. So the idea is that whether you're on-prem or cloud or hybrid, Uh, We'll either work with the reseller, we'll work with the cloud provider, and in some cases, some customers like to work direct with us. Um, It does happen, Um, but we typically go through our our resellers who do a great job, by the way, of integrating and, you know, really minimize the amount of work that enterprise needs to do.
0: Super. Mary, just jumping back to the regulations, how do enterprises keep up to date with these regulations? Is that part of the service too?
1: Um, definitely. We, we team uh, with LEV and our marketing group. We have a dedicated um, individual that works, and, and we keep updated on both state and federal legislation and regulations um, as part of our services to our customers, um, and we do education campaigns for them mainly because the way this law is written, you have to know what's in place at the states and then you have to know what you have to do at the federal level and uh, and just kind of guide them. Uh, we work very closely with the FCC and that staff. Um, we do a lot of work with them on as a volunteer actually with some of their initiatives. So we feel like, you know, we've got the right partnerships in place that we can help our customers and and get them guided on on compliance and you know keep them out of hot water <laughs> that's our job for our own company is to keep us out of hot water
0: <laughs> absolutely and uh, you know hats off to you for, for taking that responsibility on um so uh lev finally if organizations are looking to find out more viewers are looking to find out more about the service or about the regulations
2: where do they go yeah, well, we're including a link in the description of, uh, for this session. Um, and it, it has a landing page where uh, organizations can go in and, first of all, get a high-level overview of the regulations. So we actually um, summarize these regulations so that you know a normal person that's not a lawyer can understand the general concepts. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that really helps people understand, okay, well, this is what I kind of need to do. Um, and just starting with that, um, and we also have, you know, you follow through those, you know, you know, you can do more research through our website, but we also have solutions by phone systems so that, you know, if your phone system's in there, we have certified cookie cutter solutions where people can understand, okay, this is what I do. This is what the automation can help me do. This is how I can comply with regulations with the least amount of effort and work, right? Because that's really what it comes down to. You can't choose not to pr- comply, but you can choose on how you do it. And we have a lot of information about that as well. And uh, hopefully it's, it's just a starting place for educating people about this. And then after that, if they have more questions, they can reach out to us. If they're working with one of our partners, they can reach out to their, our partners. And we're all here to help and really support because we understand that there's not a lot of expertise in this area. And that's where we play such an important role It's just guiding people towards really straightforward, practical solutions. Well, it's been great seeing you both today.
0: Thanks for sharing some great insights with us and, and some knowledge on E911 regulations and, and how to tackle them. And, and that's it from us. Uh, it's been uh, great to see you today. If you've enjoyed the session, please do give us a, a like or a share on social media. It's always appreciated. But for now, thanks for watching.